Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> My beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is day five of the Halloween movie marathon. Really, we have to stop meeting like this. It's people are gonna talk. And you know what? It's not even true. It's not even day five of the Halloween movie marathon because this isn't about a movie. It's just part of the marathon. And if you're new, if you're new to the show, I, I've been trying to gay up Halloween. So now I did I tried a couple of different things, and we settled with Hey, Halloween. It's not the greatest, but you know, work with me, okay? Okay. If you're not with me so far, just 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 stop listening now. Except don't. I'm just kidding. Well, as I said, we're taking a break from truck noises going by outside. God, love everybody. Yeah, we're not going with a movie today. Instead, we are going to the theater to listen to the radio. What? What does that even mean, Patrick? Well, I'll explain it to you. Would you just sit down? There is a company here in New York City called Radio Theater. And what they do is they do live readings of old radio plays with cats crying in the background. Tyler Puss is very excited about this production. And... Um, there's original music and the sound effects, and it's all really, really, really wonderful. And this year, we were going with the granddaddy of all creepy creepers. It was the story of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Bram Stoker, by the way, I saw a portrait of him recently. What a cute little bear. Not the point right now. So... They do this every year, this company. Um, I've seen lots of their productions. No, I haven't seen them, but I've seen listings for their productions. And I'm like, oh, I always want to go check that out. Oh, I mean to go check that out. Oh, I mean to go check that out. And this year I said, you know what? Now I'm going to check that out. I'm going to pimp them out. Because I'm cool like that. However, I went in, you know, this should be good. I'm excited. But, you know, I'm also thinking, like, hey, it's Dracula. I know this story backwards and forwards. I've seen this a thousand times times. I've read it several times, and I've seen every freaking adaptation from, you know, Bella to Christopher Lee to Gary Oldman to, I don't know, it sounds like Paul Lynn is coming out all of a sudden, you know, Paul Lynn's Halloween Dracula show. That doesn't even make sense. Well, he did a Halloween show, but it wasn't Dracula. That sounded more like Catherine Hepburn, anyway. The, the vampires are returning to Golden Pond, Norman, you old vampiric poop. Patrick is rambling. Yes, he is. And why is he rambling? Because it's a marathon. And I am in the home stretch, and I am feeling the burn, and I am hitting the wall, but that's not the point right now. I'm talking about when I sat down in the theater for yet another version of Dracula and the lights went down and I turned into Tom Atkins. And in my mind, I said, thrill me. And they did. It is an amazing, amazing production. It's re really kind of astounding how all these people standing at podiums the right lighting and the music and the connection that they make to the audience, you are transported away 
to Transylvania and beyond. Simply through the miracle of your imagination. Something that, you know, is lacking in a lot of entertainment today, especially in the horror industry. So, without much further ado, I am thrilled to have as a special guest this week, today, I should say, <laughs> the director of Radio Theater's Dracula, Mr. Frank Zelenyi. And we have a fun little interview with him. We got some clips from the show. We even got a little special clip of Frank doing a little excerpt from The Telltale Heart coming off on the tail end. So it's going to be all fun and games until somebody loses a radio knob. What? What are you talking about? You know what, Patrick? Stop rambling. Go back in time to the interview you recorded over the weekend when you were still borderline sane-ish. Let's play some music. And sink your fangs into this old thing. Well, not that old thing. That's dirty. Well, it's not that old. Oh, God, Jesus, somebody help me. As an added bonus, my beautiful screamers, I am very fortunate to have with here, with us here tonight, rather, one of the members of the radio theater company, the narrator of Dracula himself. And this is one baso profundo voice that will make you dr- squirming in your seats with delight. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I present to you Mr. Frank Zellini. Hey, Patrick, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Well, it is a pleasure to have you, Frank, after much, much trouble. Oh, not any trouble at all. It's just one of those typical, you know, phone tag 101s. I'm <sighs> here, you're not, you're here, I'm not. We found each other. I'm so we, pleased. We did find each other, but it was, <laughs> it's tough being popular. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a bitch, but somebody's got to do it, right? Is what it is. So, Frank, let's talk about Dracula, shall we? Absolutely. Now, Having a lot of fun with this production. Well, clearly, it's, it's a lot of fun to be had. Um, why don't we backtrack a bit? Why don't you just tell me, what is radio theater all about, anyway? Uh, absolutely. Radio theater is something that I've been involved with for about ooh, seven years or so. I 
was, you know, actor singer in the New York City area. I moved out to the Burbs about five years ago, but I make this a regular part of what I do. I schlep in from Fairfield, Connecticut, which is about an hour and a half away from the theater down on the Lower East Side because I love. That's a schlep, but I got to tell you, it's a labor of love. It's not like I'm making nickels and dimes on this thing. I do it because it's great, great art. Now, what radio theater is all about, Dan Bianchi is just a genius with this stuff. Because, you know, you're down on the Lower East Side, you're in a little uh, 100-seat theater, which is, you know, equity showcase code, all that wonderful stuff. But Mm -hmm. it's like, how do you give a superior performance in a space like that with limited budget? You see a hundred productions out there where it's like kids really trying as best as they can to get something going, but it all looks like high school productions. Yeah, yeah. With us, we say, okay, let's get rid of all that hoopla. Let's go back to what good theater and good storytelling is about, which is it's voice characterization. It's setting the mood. How do you set the mood? Dan has this wonderful program that he can compose complete orchestral underlays for all of the productions that we do. So just like in the movies, when you hear the music starting to swell, you start to feel a certain way because that's what music does. It Mm. manipulates you in a wonderful way. I love that. And then you take that ride with the music and then these really fabulous voice actors come out there and they tell the tale. It's the essence of what it's about is telling the tale, sitting around the campfire and saying, okay, you know what? We're not going to dazzle you with all the visual flash. Close your eyes. Use your imagination. Remember that thing? that My what? In that visual society that we live in that we no longer seem to own, we're saying, oh, yes, you do. And, you know, I know I'm doing my job. I don't think when I have I an app for there, that on my phone. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, I, is I imagination? I match. I match. I imagination. <laughs> 99 cents today and today only. App of the week. <laughs> but it's what it's really all about. And I know I'm doing my job when I look out there in the audience and I see – Oh, 50, 60, 70% of the house starting to close their eyes. In most performances, you'd say, oh, my God, I'm boring the hell out of them. In this one, you're saying, I got you. I did. Yep. Yep. I was one of those people. I did it, too, at one point. I I caught myself. I'm like, you should really be watching. And I said, actually, no, it's better. No. Well, the actors are engaged out there because we make a point of it when we're up on the stage because it's concert style. You've got a bunch of actors in black sitting in front of music stands with microphones and minimal lighting. Mm -hmm. We do try to make the audience who is looking at us feel like they are the other character that they are playing to at all times. It's not like normal theater where one actor turns to the other and it's sort of like, I'm talking to you. No, they're playing it out to the audience and you are the other character and you are involved. You are a part of that moment and a part of that scene. It, it's it's really magical when you see it happening. It, it's why I keep on coming back into the city to do this stuff. I just love it. That was one of the things that I did take a note on. I'm like, this is really interesting and it shouldn't work as well as it does, but it does. Well, that's the that thing. Whole- you look at it and you look at all these kids on the stage not going anywhere, kind of in one place for an hour and ten minutes, and you go, shouldn't I be bored? Society says that that should be the most boring thing in the world, but instead, you've got people walking up to us after performances, shaking their hands and saying, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And when can I see more? <laughs> well, what I was going to say, what I thought was interesting is you, you have somebody playing out to the audience and making that connection. Meanwhile, you have whoever they are talking to on stage also engaged with the audience, responding as if the person was talking directly to them. So all of a sudden the audience becomes the medium for which the communication happens. And I found that really very interesting. 
it's a wild kind of take on the action going by. It's like you're a conduit for both sides because of the conversation. I've seen shows where like everything is just done straight out like that in other things, and it doesn't really work because that other connection doesn't happen. It doesn't go all the way. The circuit isn't complete. Exactly. I hear you. And I, I thought think, that was – sorry, you go. No, 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 no. I think no, no, no. You're the guest, damn it. Of, oh, all right. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> no, but I really think that we found a way to make that work because – the people who have got their eyes open and they're watching the show, they are enthralled. I mean, it's sometimes it's really weird because as an actor, you're up there on the stage. If you've got a quiet audience, a lot of the times you're going, oh, my God, did, did I blow it? Am I not getting to them? When they're no. quiet, I know we've got it right. We got them. We took uh-huh. them for the ride. Uh-huh. Because they're gone. Oh, They're absolutely. not in the theater anymore. In well, a good way. Got now in 100 seat houses, you've got 100 different shows going on at the same damn time. It yeah. is just it's unbelievable. Um, and so you guys used or primarily Orson Welles script, if I'm not well, mistaken. What, yeah. What Dan did is, is he had found that Orson Welles script was out there and it was available. And just because of the way that we do our shows, we try to keep the time constraint down to about an hour, well, of hour course. 15 of course. tops. Yeah. And you know, so there was a little bit of truncation, but really we're talking de minimis because Wells really did a wonderful job of this in staying true to the Bram Stoker novel. It Thank wasn't you. this Hollywoodization of Bela Lugosi and I will drink your blood. No, bullshit. Go back to the story. The story was good. You don't have to have the Hollywood spin doctors turn it into something it wasn't meant to be. Hello? Did I miss What's you? What's happening back there? What is going uh, on in your house? <laughs> oh, forgive me. I'm what sitting up. I'm sitting upstairs and downstairs I've got oh two of my three grown kids with girlfriends and stuff like that, and they're all down there having food and drinking, so it got a little loud. I just okay, closed. no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> if that's the story you're gonna go with, we'll believe you. Absolutely. Until the cops show up, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> well, that's what I want to say, too. I, I really appreciated that it did stick to the original story, because I get irritated with film adaptations of it. Oh, my it's God. Like, well, you know, we've got another adaptation coming up on Network TV, and it's all this Lestat-ish, uh, you know, uh, Twilight series, I'm Such a Lovely Vampire. That's not the, the That's not the story. story. Like, yeah, he romances, but I, 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 always, I have always said, based on that book, Yes, there's romancing involved, but that's his shtick. I mean, he's a monster. He's a predator. He wants Absolutely. he wants the ladies to surrender. That's part of his game. It that's how he likes it. Game. He likes to play them, and he knows that he can do that through the use of his virility or his sexuality. But it's not at all sexual to him. They're food. They're food. He's supposed to or scare the companions. Crowd. Yeah, yeah. They're companions or when whatever. He does that. Exactly, exactly. There ain't no sex going on. And so that's why I get angry when I see him made into a monster. I mean, uh, like a Beauty and the Beast kind of situation. He's the monster with the heart. And if he's going to be at the center of a TV series, they're going to have to give him human qualities or it's not going to fly. People aren't going to watch a monster every week. They've got to Jimmy Gandolfiniize him. They've got to make the mafia wax somebody every other week seem like a nice guy that you'd like to take home. The same thing the way they treat Drac. Yeah. And because I, I did notice that you skirted, you didn't cut the line, but you skirted around the traditional reading of the line, I never drink wine. Oh, I'm, uh, well, you know, in the book, it's, I never drink Medeosh. Well, first of all, we had to tra- change Medeosh because who the hell knows what kind of wine that is? They've never heard it before. Who? But also. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Exactly. Run down to the liquor store. Hey, you got some Madiash? Get out of here. Uh, now, my grandmother died from Madiash. It's terrible. <laughs> Very, yeah, very she crazy. was coughing and coughing for two days. We didn't know what the world. <laughs> but, but, well, the doc looked a little strange. He had some pointy teeth, you know? Yeah, but sure. anyway. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, with that, I, the line with I never drank blood, it's kind of an I gotcha. And um, I left it to uh, Mr. Halloran over there to, you know, you want to really go for the, the claptrap, which is sort of like, ha, 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 I never drink blood. Or just... His take on it was really kind of fascinating. We we kind of pushed and pulled on that. Where is Drac going? And first we played with the whole idea, should he have the thick accent? And it's sort of like, no, the accent is not who he is. No. It's, it's the aristocrat that's sitting over there who has been stuck in this, this life of his. I mean, I'm, he's not happy with it. He's... He's had this existence for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. and he's trying to move forward into something new and get new apostles, get new friends and family, if you will. And that's where it's like a uh, sitcom waiting to happen. Really? Oh God. Yeah. Come and knock on our door. (laughs) Oh my God. Have you seen the new neighbor? He's very odd. (laughs) (laughs) Accent on those eyes. I Uh, think he works nights anyway. Yeah. But I love Dracula. I liked him. He was easy on the eyes, which Mm -hmm. was nice. He had yeah, an accent, but it wasn't. An, it was just enough to make him other. Well, that's what we wanted to do. Is we and want- it didn't get lost. And like at a certain point, you're like, yes, he's sexy. Yes, he's got that accent. But you're like, there ain't nobody in there. Like there, oh. that is a, that is an empty shell. Of well, a I got it in the in the rehearsal process. I kept on saying, no, it, it's not supposed to be something that's just sort of like writing this 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 effete kind of personality. I want you to scare the crap out of me. And he found it. that my ancestors drove wooden pikes to their captured enemies and hoisted them high ten feet up so that they may die a slow, lingering death impaled upon those pikes. Thousands of them, a whole forest of screaming, impaled enemies surrounded this castle for miles. I shall miss them, the children of the night. What music they make. Yeah, this is my baby. I mean, I... What does have to do with all this? Well, Dan is the creative genius. I mean, if you want to put it, he is the writer. He is the producer. He is the chief bottle washer. He's the set designer. He is the guy who goes and puts out, you know, all the advertisement and all that. I mean, he's kind of a renaissance man when it comes to the uh, small theater downtown. It's amazing how much this guy does. And the rewrites. I mean, you know, he was a Hollywood script doctor before he ever did this stuff. So he's got this talent where we bring, you know, the cast together and we do a read and we listen to it. And it's like, 
yeah, that's working, but not so much so here, here, and here. And I see him hold up his two fingers and do the little scissors thing, and I said, okay, kids, we're going to have another script tomorrow. And the guy will be up all night, and he'll and here comes the next script, and it's better. And then we'll listen to it again, and it's, it's that wonderful collaborative, we're on a journey until we open. And, yep. and the kids are open to it, and it gets better and better, and they realize it, they see it, and they just they embrace that. Because, you know, some shows, it's like, oh, I'm changing my mind what I'm going to do, and they go, oh, God, again. With this yeah. guy, every time he changes his mind, it's for the better. It's for the better. It's for the tightening. It's the timing. It's the relationships get clearer. It's just such a joy to work with this guy. And what I like about Dan, now I haven't had a lot of interaction with Dan. I've met him a few times and talked to him a few times. He's always very brief. He's a little brusque. <laughs> yeah, the first time I met him when I auditioned for him, I didn't know what the hell to expect. I so I walked in, yeah, I walked into the theater, and it's sort of like, okay, I've got my monologue, and I do it for him, and it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, that's nice, uh, but let's talk about you know this, that, and the other thing. Just topical bullshit that we were talking about, whatever was going on at the time. And I go, well, well d- how did I do? Is there anything else you need to... No, no, no. Just talking to you and seeing you standing on your feet. That's that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see you. I wanted to hear you. Mm-hmm. Because when he's auditioning you, he wants to see that there's poise. He wants to see that there's a, a personality over there. And he wants to listen to the music of the individual voices. Yes. When he's uh, uh, casting a show, he describes his job as almost like an orchestral conductor. He oh, wants I can to see that. It hear. has to... Yeah, all the voices have to... I get it. Yeah, they, they have to say sound right together as well as individually and exactly because it is an ensemble just like an orchestra is if you have three baritone guys who are all sitting in uh speaking in about the same range you close your eyes and listen to the story wait a second who just said that yeah what was that it all becomes kind of a bland pastiche what he does is he looks for those, those excuse contra- me we don't use no fancy terms like this on my show who are you trying to fool frank i think that's some kind of french fancy i don't know i had that at a restaurant once i think it was made of snails yeah, I had one of those. It was kind of bad. I didn't feel good for a day or two. <laughs> uh, Patrick, I think we're on the safe wave, uh, same wavelength. That's scary. Yeah, uh, that's not a problem. It's a, it's a very dirty wavelength to be on, but it's not. It's 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 nice. It's nice not to be alone on it. There you go. Absolutely. What uh, but I, the thing I want to say about Dan is that when I when I complimented him on the show, I recognized what the brusqueness is that he's very shy apparently. Oh, well, you know, it's... Because I gave him the compliment. He was like, yeah, yeah, thanks. And it kind of scuttered away. I'm like, oh, I get <laughs> yes. you now. Now no. I get the brusque. Now I get everything. I totally get you now. <laughs> you, you're all That's right. Fair. I got you, Dan. He, yeah, he doesn't need the, the warm fuzzies. He doesn't need them. He's been there. He's gotten them. It's sort of like, yeah, thank you. I got to go and make sure that everything else is doing good. Because the other thing about Small Theater, Lower East Side, is we finished that show as soon as the last body is out of the house, we got to run. We got to tear the whole set down and put it into boxes and cases and stuff because the next show is coming up in an hour. That's why so, I didn't wait inside to meet you afterwards. I said, I'm pretty sure they're going to have to rip everything down and I don't want to be in the way. I felt so, pretty bad about that. I'm that's sorry. Okay. That's, that's okay. It was a lovely day and I figure we'll meet up when it's time. Exactly. And the time was now. Uh, to go back a little bit, to talk about your warm fuzzies that you brought up. Yeah. I have to say that given that how old this particular script is and – all the other versions of vampires and Dracula that have come since mm-hmm. this really, really, really throbbed with the eroticism that's in the original novel, but not in the original novel. If you know what I mean, it was porn well, without being porn. 
It, well, yeah, there is that. I mean, because, you know, you've got the, the vampirellas, the, the lady vampires. They're dropping their, their skirts and they're showing their breasts and they are seducing Harker. They want to play the same game that Dracula plays. They've learned from the master. If I can get you all hot and sexually bothered, you're going to get close enough to me where I can suddenly, I gotcha! You know? Hello, it's... we've been locked up in here with the same guy for how long? But the thing is, I'm thinking like Victorian readers showing an ankle was pornography. Was if you've got your throat exposed, like that, that mm-hmm. is some, sw- and that three women coming around who want to kiss you, that is some dirty, 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 dirty stuff. It was really hot. And don't forget, it was Orson Welles in his 20s writing this adaptation. He was a virile young guy. He yes, knew he how to play that aspect of it. Yes, he was. And I just, just it, it came through in this production too. I was like, this is some steamy, steamy stuff. Because well, I've seen the really sexual versions, which seem less sexual than well, this. Because it's yeah. not as taboo. Because this seems more taboo. But when everybody's it's, got everything hanging out, it's like, yeah, big deal. When you've got everybody taking off their clothes and putting it up for a camera close-up, it stops being sexy and it starts being biology 101, you know, yeah. in a chem lab or something like that. But when you put it in your imagination, it can be whatever makes you hot. That's the difference. And speaking of whatever makes me hot, you've got an amazing voice, Frank. Have you ever done, some, <laughs> have you ever done phone sex? <laughs> <laughs> As often as I can get away with it, brother, as often as I can. I know that was the question that was on everybody's mind. Oh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I get compliments about the voice all the time. And this is my way of keeping my finger in the pot creatively and using the voice. Because it's definitely... You had to go with finger finger in the pot. I had to go go with with your dirty mouth. Oh, God, we're going to be good friends, Frank. There you go, Patrick. (laughs) Wait a second, I have to smell my finger. I'll be right back. Okay, now (laughs) there is a line in the sand, Frank Zellini. And not only did you just cross it, you threw up on it. (laughs) Well... First, I looked down on the sand, and I just kicked the hell out of that line. There are no lines. Okay. Who, who's it, woman here? Is it woman here? Are we in some kind of castle of some kind? Frank, thank there you so you much go. for taking time out of your Saturday night to come in and talk to me. Hey, so, Patrick, um, it's a pleasure. Where can people find out more about this production and radio theater and all that other good stuff? I love it. Okay, this is where I give my little blurb. Uh, the w- best place to figure out what's going on is go to our website, which is radiotheaternyc.com. That's oh, shoot. Uh, you're going to have to give that again. Frank, 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 Frank. Oh, my goodness, what? You're breaking up. So okay, that was like... Ra- uh, 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 oh, no, just- no, no. It's radiotheaternyc.com. And you spell... R-A-D-I-O-T-H-E-A-T-R-E-M-I-C.com. And that's our website. Yeah, I know. We had to have that hoity-toity something special, and there it is. (laughs) And how long does this show run? Uh, We're going through, I believe it's November 10, something like that. I just keep on showing up on Sunday afternoons until they tell me to get the hell out of there. Good plan. Yeah, absolutely. It works great. Say you get a restraining order or two. They're fun. Okay, yeah. so again, Frank, thank you so much for coming, spending time with us. Good luck with the rest of the run, and um, don't open that window at night. <laughs> Sounds like a game plan, Patrick. Thanks it's not again. A bird. It's not a bird. Okay, bye, Frank. Good night. All right. Good night.
just in, ladies and gentlemen. Your on-the-spot Scream Queens reporter has breaking news that secretly leaked footage of Frank Zellini performing the final scene of the Telltale Heart for Radio Theatre, NYC, has been found. And I've got it, and I'm going to play it for you right now. Copyrights be damned, but there shouldn't be any copyrights because Edgar Allan Poe is dead. This just in, Edgar Allan Poe is still dead. I now present to you the Telltale Heart starring Frank Zellini already in progress. Why weren't they leaving? Why didn't they hear the noise? I paced back and forth on the floor. Why didn't they get the message? It's time to leave, gentlemen. It's time to go, you see. Oh, God. I began to argue with them, foaming and raving and swearing. Anything to silence the noise, you see. Suppose they heard it? No. So I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated it upon the boards. But the noise got louder and louder and louder, and still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. <laughs> God in heaven! How could they not have heard it? Oh, no. No, 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 they heard. They suspected. They knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. Anything was better than that agony. Anything was more tolerable than that noise. They were making fun of me. Hypocrites. I could bear their smiles no longer. They felt that I must scream or die. Louder and louder. Louder. Villains. You're so desperate to know, aren't you? All right. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks right there, right there. That's where it's coming from. The beating of its hideous heart. Okay, kidlets, I think that's going to wrap it up for another marathon episode today. I want to give a huge thank you. To Frank Zellini for taking time out of his day and coming and uh, hanging out with me for a bit. And also, since we used his voice and didn't mention him, I want to also credit Patrick Halloran in his portrayal of Dracula that you heard a little bit of in there and uh, everybody over at Radio Theater NYC. And if you're in the area and you want to come catch a production of, of Dracula at the Radio Theater, it's every Sunday at 3 p.m., from now until November 10th, which I guess is two Sundays. Uh, and you can find out more at Radio Theater with an R-E, NYC.com. That's Radio Theater, NYC.com, the fancy French way. So, okay. By all means, kids, keep all those voicemails coming in. I'm having a great time listening to them. And what I'm talking about is I, I'm begging you. I'm, can't, I'm, 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 I'm just thrilled to hear all of your various... Halloween haunted house or haunted hayride or any kind of haunted attraction story, it's something you saw this year, whether it was good, whether it was bad, whether it was eh, whether it was funny, whether you, you know, you passed out, whether you peed yourself, whether you didn't make it because you were too high to get out of the car, I want to hear about it, okay? Or if you've seen a great horror movie, also, share it with me, share it with me, share it with me. And you can reach me at 347-767-3509. The email is still wonky. I still can't access my email, so I don't know what to tell you right now. Um, you can always uh, send me something through the Facebook page, which is Scream Queens Horror Podcast. You know, do a search on that, and you'll find everybody. If you have something to say, say it. If you have something to say, why don't you say it? Isn't that a song? It is now. And we're all here. 
Copyright that. Okay, Patrick is so punchy. Punchy, punchy Patrick. But you know what? The marathon must go on. And tomorrow, we're going to have another visit from some people who are working on a... Well, it's not really a production. It's just... Well, it's a, it, it's a unique, immersive event. And you know how much I like to get immersive. Now, my only hope is that until tomorrow, until the show airs, that you survive. Survive! And I just gave you a hint of the title of what we're talking about. Okay, kids. Thank you very much for joining me for another episode, another mini-episode coming at you tomorrow. Until then, continue to make the world a creepier place. And for God's sake, pull your pants up. You're in public. God! Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches. <laughs>